0: And we have a super exciting episode for you tonight. Today we are going to talk about the gay marriage vote in the Senate and how we might actually be seeing some legislative progress on that front. And also uh, some of the weird reactions to it which I'm sure you're going to very much enjoy. Uh, (laughs) Then we're going to have a conversation about the midterms, an overdue conversation now that we actually have some real results. Mm -hmm. And we're going to end the pod talking about Donald John Trump and his new bid for presidency. Mm Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's going to be Haven't a weird. Haven't you one. missed
0: talking about Trump? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I
1: feel like it's just déjà vu. <laughs> yeah. So much about these midterms feels that way, honestly. Like yeah. it's just all the same issues coming back. But we'll get to it.
0: Yeah. 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 Speaking of getting back to it, Michael. Mm-hmm. What are the COVID numbers?
1: So so far worldwide, we've hit 642 million total cases with average daily cases over the last 7 days of 315,000. Um if you look at the graph of those cases over time it's been a pretty steady consistent decline for a while now um in terms of death we've hit 6.62 million worldwide with average daily deaths over the last week of 995 and this graph has actually dropped off a bunch recently Um, so hopefully that continues in terms of vaccination we've hit 68.2 percent of the world's population with at least one dose and 62.8 percent with two doses and in the u.s we've hit hundred million total cases So that's quite a milestone. Um, Over the last seven days, uh, we've averaged 27,000 cases per day, uh, which is is not quite the lowest it's been, but it's pretty close. This has been a pretty steady state of low cases uh, for for a while. And then in terms of death, we've hit 1.101 million deaths with 177 deaths on average over the last seven days which is actually pretty much the lowest it's been since things really got going. So really across all these metrics, things are mostly going in the right direction. And this is starting to look like a, just kind of a persistent normal disease in society at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: In in vaccinations in the U S we've hit 80.3% of the U S with at least one dose and 68.6% with two doses.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You you know, we, we might actually be getting close to the time where we don't need to do that every week. I know. Yeah. I mean, at this
1: point, we got to talk more about flu than we have to talk about COVID, <laughs> which is not a red herring anymore. <laughs> it's not
0: a red herring anymore. It's yeah. not. I mean, I had students at the beginning of the semester, like on a weekly basis, there were students out with COVID. Mm-hmm. I haven't had any students out with COVID recently. It's all been the flu. <laughs> I mean, partially because it's flu season, yeah. but like... I, I haven't I haven't heard of any COVID cases of any of my students recently, which is really nice. That is really nice. That is great. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's just starting to become, I guess, less common. I mean the numbers support that for sure. Yeah. Speaking of things that are starting to become less common, uh people opposing gay marriage. That's true. That's really or- true. The opposite of that, because we're talking about supporting it, but we're also going to talk about people opposing it. Um, this isn't my best one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I thought it really started out to a good start. <laughs> but yeah. you know what's not important? Start transitions. Out. What's important is more people are supporting gay marriage, and it's actually being enshrined on a legislative level, which is
0: great. Yes. Yes.
1: So what we're talking about tonight is a recent um, development with the respect Marriage Act um, in, in the Senate. So the uh, Respect for Marriage Act was a bill that passed the House during the summer. It uh, garnered like 47 Republican votes and all the Democrats. And what it seeks to do is, one, overturn the Defense of Marriage Act, which was a 1996 bill which defined marriage as between a man and a woman and a spouse as only a person of the opposite sex who is a husband or a wife. Um, and it would also require that uh, the federal government and all states, uh, it would guarantee the rights, benefits, and obligations of marriage um, under like the federal code and for all states. So any state would have to recognize someone's legal marriage from any other state, so it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't exactly codify Obergefell, which we can talk about, um, but it would require that if you did if you have a legal marriage in an, in one state, it would be recognized and have all the benefits in another state.
0: Yeah, see that right there is something that kind of gave me a little bit of a pause, mm-hmm. because why, like. <laughs> Like, I mean, th- the whole point of this is just in case Obergefell gets overturned. Yeah. And maybe that means that same-sex couples will still have the opportunity to mm. go to other states if Obergefell gets overturned and then return and it be legally recognized. But I just, I I don't understand why you didn't take that extra step. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is, the Republicans that have decided that they support this, the reason that they keep giving for why they support this, it hasn't been that. Yeah. It's been the religious freedom exemption, mm-hmm. which I, I do want, I do definitely want to talk well, we to have you about. We talk about it for sure. We definitely have to talk about that. But I just, I don't know if I would have taken this deal because <laughs> it just, it, it doesn't even enshrine Obergefell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the reason we're talking about burgerfeld so much is because that's like worrying about that case and its potential lack of a future is what gave rise to this whole bill in the Senate. So, so as part of the Dobbs decision, um, even though Alito, um, and Kavanaugh both explicitly said that it shouldn't be interpreted, that the legal reasoning shouldn't be interpreted to, to cast doubt in any other decisions, um, the reasoning clearly did cast doubt on other decisions, and Justice Thomas, in a rare bout of honesty, <laughs> called uh, on like the court to potentially consider, in, in his concurrence, to potentially consider uh, revisiting these cases, including Griswold v. Connecticut, Lawrence v. Texas, and uh, Obergefell v. Hodges. And yeah. so that gave rise that doubt, the worry that what is currently a constitutional right, but... Is only protected by the court's opinions, um, maybe you know, undermined if the court decides to revisit it, and so the idea is to enshrine that in a law. You know, what a novel, what a novel idea. Yeah. One one um one analysis I saw Nathan, which about that specific thing about why this bill is weaker than the Obergefell protection, is that, I agree. I think like I agree with you that the perspective that you know this is a weaker version to win over Republican votes seems kind of weak. Like to your point, that's not why any Republicans really signed on to it anyway. And I don't know how much of a meal would have been made up out of the difference between requiring people to recognize a marriage and requiring states to allow a marriage. Yeah. Um, but one, one analysis I I saw came like, like believed that this was an attempt to avoid um, you know, constitutional criticism by the court and kind of keep it out of the courts because the Supreme court has kind of repeatedly warned the federal government that they shouldn't like commandeer States to pass laws like this. And so like, I wonder if it's really meant to be like, Hey, like we're not forcing any States to do anything. Just but like... the
0: Supreme court already did that.
1: Yeah. But like, but that's a different constitutional question, right? Like it's one constitutional question to say the constitution enshrines equal protection and due process is another question to say the federal government can force states to do a, you know to like treat marriage in a certain way you know what i mean
0: yeah but i think th- the federal i agree government that it a... <laughs> should be able to do that though yeah yeah i mean and i the, agree if that if the federal government a can pass the civil rights act yeah you know and, and enough, force yeah. states to comply with the civil rights act uh if the federal government can pass the americans with disabilities act um, I don't see why this should be out of the question. I just, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I don't like see the it.
1: the commerce clause, which like underpins the federal government being able to intervene at the state level in all those cases, like, and the supremacy clause. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that's true. But I can't imagine, yeah, that it wouldn't also be able to be extended to marriage. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, guess, agree. I guess at the end of the day, it's probably better that. This law be passed, then it not be passed. Yeah, but I just I can't bring myself to get excited about it.
1: I feel very much the same way, especially when we talk about which maybe we should do now. When we talk about the religious exemption, so part of it.
0: I don't know if you're going to be surprised by my point. Of view I, on this. I don't think I'm going to be surprised by your point of view on this, because I th- I know that you and I have had conversations about this before, and I think that. I think my point of view probably does break a little bit from a lot of the left, Mm -hmm. but like I, I come from I come from a point of view where I think that the separation between church and state should be completely absolute, and also it should be a two way street. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Meaning that the church cannot impose its will on the government, and the government cannot impose its will on the church. Within reason in that, like, you can't have a ritual sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? You still have to obey the laws of the average citizen. So so I guess I like to think of it as churches should be treated as a private residence, basically. So, like, if you're in a private residence, you can discriminate against anybody you want you can tell anybody for any reason you're not allowed in my house you're not allowed to have this event in my house you're not allowed to do this thing in my house like my house is my house and it's you know you're 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 not allowed to you're not allowed to violate any of my free practices within my house um now that also being said on the other side of that i also believe that churches should be have should have to pay taxes mm-hmm. like you yeah. would in a private residence yeah. um which by the way this this law specifically does clarify that uh churches that decide not to practice uh that, that that decide not to allow uh gay weddings will not lose any sort of tax exemptions yeah which I guess on on one hand I I agree with that as if we're making that a larger principle but again I don't think they should have those that tax exemption status in the beginning uh, yeah. to begin with yeah and
1: to, to your earlier point as well like this was a key part of getting Republican support for this bill in the House. Like, it would be, I think it'd be fair to say that it's, it would be unlikely that 12 Republicans um, that broke from, you know, the other two thirds of Republicans to, to support this bill would have done that um, had we not had this particular part, uh, this particular like exemption in the bill. Because they're very worried about religious freedom. And, like, that tends to be their main argument against really the enshrinement of LGBTQ rights in general is, like, well, does that mean that we're going to be forced to respect LGBTQ people and all that stuff? And so, like, by explicitly saying that this will not have any impact on the ability of religious institutions to um, basically, you know, refuse to provide, you know, services or anything or facilities or anything to LGBTQ folks... Um, that you know, that's how they were able to like get this, uh, get the Republican support, including the endorsement of the Mormon Church,
0: which still yeah. opposes gay marriage. Yeah, I did yeah. find that interesting, and that's, I think that that's the big reason why Mitt Romney ended up voting for it. Yeah, probably. So which is to really me, interesting.
1: To me, that got me thinking about a whole about this in slightly a different way. At first, I was thinking like, yeah, I, I like churches are institutions that exist to support a specific belief system they're not necessarily public entities if we remove the fact that they get tax exemption which we should remove the fact that they get tax exemption but yeah. um but but you know they're not like public like institutions like public accommodation which would fall under other protections yeah. um, and so like maybe you can make the argument that if something specifically goes against your beliefs and you only exist as an organization to support a specific set of beliefs that, you know, we shouldn't force you to, to you know, violate those beliefs for, for you know, people, like, for specific purposes. The Mormon Church endorsement got me thinking about it in a slightly different way that I don't know how I feel about quite yet, which is, like, I wonder... This is, like, the first carve-out that I've seen in a while in legislation specifically exempting religious organizations from obligations that other organizations are still bound by. Um, And I'm curious if that might be part of a larger picture, a larger effort to continue to expand protections and exemptions for religious organizations
0: what exemptions are you talking about because again i coming at it from the principle of no church should be forced to do anything that it it doesn't want to do that goes against its beliefs which again i i do believe that now i want to make one thing completely clear all right on a personal level if a church refuses to hold same-sex weddings like fuck that church all yeah, right of course yeah you should you know they should get all of the condemnation on a personal level uh, hell if you want if you want to stand outside and protest you want to hold signs in front of the church and protest it I think that's that's great I think that's completely valid. I think you should do that uh, if you want to condemn their actions you absolutely should do that but again I think that that's the type of thing that should be shamed not legislated
1: mm-hmm. I don't think it's this specific carve out that I'm worried about as much. Um, I think it's like, I'm, what I'm more worried about is the ability to kind of try to use this as a wedge to expand, you know, definitions in religious like exemptions. So things like, you know, religious universities would be included in this, I believe, which means that like, if you had an LGBTQ professor and you had university su- supplied housing, they might be able to exclude that person from being able to live in that university supplied housing or they might be exclude, able to exclude that person from living with their spouse their same sex spouse in the university supplied housing and like just generally speaking i'm i get the clear case of a religious organization that is purely a religious organization having a sincerely held religious belief um what counts as a church and a religious organization is not as clear-cut, I think, as like perhaps it once was or perhaps we would want it to be. And so like I worry a little bit about the edge cases where there are non-church religious organizations that are then able to get, you know, letter-of-the-law-style exemptions under this or some similar future version of this, which relies on kind of the foundation set by, by this exemption. So I worry about like, you know, some other organization, uh, you know, other 501c3s or hobby lobbies 501c3 division or you know whatever that might be. I think it's very vague, but but I
0: but that's what here's, I'm worried about. Here's what I would say to that. Religious schools, whether it be like a college or a, a high school, a Catholic school whatever, um those types of schools do still re- receive an official type of government accreditation, right? Yeah. Like there's there's still an official accreditation process. So that kind of forces a certain level of interaction with the government. Right. I mean, it, it that's I pretty mean, you can you can, <laughs> you can you can well, it depends. It's mean like it depends, you can right? decide to send like everybody's required to send their kids to school. Right. Now, you can choose to homeschool them, you can choose to send them to a private school, or you can choose to send them to, like, a private religious school. Yeah. But, like, there's still government interaction in that with that regard, right? Sure. So, what I would say is, if you want to open up a school, and you want to have laws that discriminate, or you want to have policies that discriminate against people that are LGBT, okay, but you ain't going to be accredited. Sure. So sure. So, like, so again, uh, treat it like a church, all right? If you if you want to be a church, then you can be a church. That's fine. You can be a church. If you if you want to be a school, then you can be a school. Sure. Oh, that 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 that's that would that would be my response to
1: that. I, I think that's a good response. I just think that's not what exists. Oh, oh, uh, probably not. <laughs> it's not actually the case. Like it's true that probably there are not. religious schools that get all kinds of exemptions and stuff. So that's yeah. I guess that's my point. And the, and just like the blurriness between. A religious organization and a non-religious organization, and a church and a religious organization, and all that stuff. Yeah. It just makes it, it like I would love to see a more robust like body of law here that's like being consistently upheld. But just the ongoing kind of erosion of like se- like yeah. church state separation, and all that stuff, just makes me a little bit nervous. But yeah, but for I me, think but for me, this... that's
0: not an erosion in this case. Like for me, that's. For me, that is maintaining separation of church and state. Here's here's why. Like, For me, the argument that the left needs to start using on this, and I don't know why this hasn't been what they've been primarily using, is the religious freedom argument. Because there are churches, like the one that I grew up in, a Unitarian Universalist church, where they do allow same-sex weddings. All right? Same-sex weddings are commonplace all right? They are a part of our religious practices. And for people to say that you, that that doesn't count, that you can't do that, that is you imposing on my religious freedom, all right? That means that you are taking away the religious freedom of people that follow religions or follow an interpretation of a religion that does allow same-sex marriage. So I feel like in order to use that argument, though, we also have to allow the opposite to also be true, all right? We should be allowed to do the types of weddings that we believe in, and you should be allowed to do the type of weddings that you believe in. And, you know, again, make that wall of separation and make it absolute. Yep, I agree. Another thing that I want to talk about is some really hilarious responses to this. Because, so, in general, the elected Republican response to this has been... Really weak.
1: Yeah, for sure. In that they it's just want to of, get it out of the public eye yeah, as
0: fast as possible. <laughs> they just want to get it out of the public eye. And there's a good reason for that. I yeah. mean, according to Gallup, this is a 71% issue. Yeah. Alright? 71% of Americans agree with marriage equality. A majority of Republicans, 55% as of uh as of last year, agree with marriage equality. A majority of Republicans agree with this. Alright? And a Super majority of Americans believe in this. Mm-hmm. So opposing this or saying anything bad about this does not look good. All yeah. right. But the funny thing is, a lot of Republicans are kind of shooting themselves in the foot on this because what one of the things that they basically keep saying is, well, Democrats are only doing this to try to goad us into being the bad guys, which we're going to respond to. By voting against it and thus proving that we're the bad guys. Yeah. They were like, Hmm, bullet. Why not bite it? <laughs> exactly. <Instantly>. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, beyond what they're saying. All right. I got to just read you some of the weird shit from uh, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh. They just had some of the stupidest arguments and also some of the stupidest self-defeating arguments that, that I've ever seen. Like, I remember having arguments with people like a decade ago about this. Honestly, the arguments that I used to have with like friends in high school were more coherent than this shit. <laughs> All right. So Ben Shapiro. So he's, he's, he's going nuts about it. He's, he's pretending that it's un that. First off, he's pretending that it's unnecessary because a uh, Bergerfeld is never going to be overturned. And look, I don't actually think it's going to be overturned, mm-hmm. but the threat of it, means that there should be some type of uh like there should be some type of additional protection. plus
1: republicans have been complaining about activist judges for decades
0: so like you want us to avoid activist judges we'll just make it a law but at least ben shapiro is actually being honest he's not pretending that his opposition to this is because of like some strategic bullshit or some like oh it's going to be fine anyway because we already have it no he he's 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 being transparent about it. He is against gay marriage. All right. Mm -hmm. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. So he said, quote, now, let me put this out there for the Republican senators. If you vote for the idea that society has an obligation to recognize male, male or female, male dyads the same way society has to recognize uh, male, female, you should not be in the Republican Party. You shouldn't. Again, a majority of Republicans believe this. All right, 55% of Republicans believe this. So he's saying 55% of Republicans should just not be in the Republican Party. That's what he's saying. Now, <laughs> he tries to clarify. He tries to pretend. He says, quote, the reason I say this is not because I want to shrink the size of the Republican Party, which, okay, that's that's what you're doing, though. That's what would happen. Because yeah, exactly. a majority of your party agrees with this. Um, <laughs> because if the fundamental basis for human society is male female child and you think that by passing a law you can change that reality you do not belong in government that's 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 not the you you just you stated a premise that you didn't prove yeah <laughs> i mean your premise is that the the fundamental basis for human society is male female child but you didn't prove that premise sure like that's, and nor did he connect <laughs> it to his conclusion
1: <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like giraffes are purple therefore (laughs) therefore hippopotamuses are deadly (laughs)
0: like (laughs) these are just random statements yeah and in a in a future um in a in a future conversation that he had with matt walsh he made an even stupider argument his argument boils down to hypothetical Martians would disagree with this, therefore you should too. Oh my God. And I'm not even kidding. Amazing. I am not even kidding.
1: Wait, right? to be fair,
0: to be fair,
1: not to not to put an atheistic spin on stuff, but isn't that the same argument that Christian Republicans always make? <laughs> I'm not saying that Martians and God are the same. I'm just saying... <laughs> I mean, X being that isn't humans thinks this, therefore you should too.
0: They've actually, they actually have found some life on Mars. So there might actually be, (laughs) but should we value their opinion? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So anyway, he, so he was trying to argue that, uh, being against same sex marriage is not a wholly religious argument. All right. Hmm. He said, quote, the argument for marriage has literally nothing to do with religion, You could be a visitor from Mars and you could see that all of human procreation relies on man, woman, child. This is not particularly difficult stuff by essentially boxing in the argument in favor of traditional marriage into, well, you're a crazy religious believer. Maybe we'll let you have that. (laughs) So he's saying that if a hypothetical Martian came to earth they would disagree with gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And again, and, the uh, argument and, is, the argument is, um, the only purpose of marriage is procreation. Exactly,
1: That's the steel <laughs> bot of that, of that argument is that, which is, and, and, and the underpinning is like, well, animals in nature, you know, mate to procreate. And therefore that's the only pers- purpose of mating. And therefore that's the only way that humans should ever like mate and get together. And it's like, Every single one of those statements is false. Yeah. Animals mate all the time for not not for procreation. Yes.
0: All the do. time. It is one of the I, most natural <laughs> things that exists. Bonobos literally solve territorial disputes by having massive orgies. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, like sexuality
1: for pleasure is a thing that shows up in many yeah. different species in nature, including humans. And homosexuality in nature is very very
0: very common yeah and (laughs) on top of that hell there is love without sex there is
1: hallelujah asexuals get married
0: all the time great freaking point yeah like and, and let me also point something out all right in order for this to be a natural argument and not a discriminatory argument. Mm -hmm. The only way you could make that argument is if you also said that the government would have to impose a law that said that in order to recognize your marriage, you have to have a kid, which means that people that aren't fertile, (laughs) people that aren't fertile, they can't get married. Mm -hmm. You know, people that have fertility issues, they can't get married. People that just don't want to have kids, they can't get married. That's I mean, such a great point. Yeah. I mean, look, in my own situation, all right, because of health issues, my wife and I, we can't have kids in the traditional way. So we have to go through IVF. All right. Are you saying that because of that we shouldn't be allowed to be married? No, no, right, no. no that there shouldn't be a because marriage. Because of that, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a uh, it's an induction <laughs> argument
0: <laughs> um, no i think like, that's such a freaking good point like uh yeah i just it's it's so it's so unbelievably stupid i mean the, here's the thing about ben shapiro like he does occasionally have breakdowns that on the surface actually sound pretty reasonable you know you as soon as you start breaking it down and look at the actual facts that he's bringing out you realize like No, actually, you're full of shit. Um, But he's very good at making arguments. Even bad arguments sound reasonable. But he lost his touch on this one. I mean, this is just such a stupid argument. And the thing is, this is why a decade ago, just a decade ago, the idea that 12 Republicans, one of which being Mitt Romney, Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney, Joining with Democratic senators to pass a marriage equality bill would be unthinkable. Only 10 years ago, the fact that th- the reason why we have gotten to the point where a majority of Republicans agree with marriage equality, why 70% of everybody in the United States agree with marriage equality, is because we heard these arguments before, and exactly. they were stupid back yeah. then, and they're stupid now.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. I that's the funniest part about this. They just keep recycling these crappy arguments. Like it, it's, it's stunning. I, I do want to say also like, not that like he's also falling for the argument from nature fallacy. So refer to our episode where we talked about, where we debunked a bunch of fallacies for like more information there, but do want to call out that like, even if he was right, that everything, all of these things existed in nature, that still wouldn't lead to his, his conclusion that therefore this is wrong. Yeah. Um but we, I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt because we have to be we have to be thoughtful about Ben Shapiro's situation. We know from his previous coverage of uh the song WAP, um <laughs> that he is in a uh a marriage that only exists for procreation because they have no yeah. passion whatsoever. <laughs> and therefore, you know I mean,
0: the idea like yeah, like the guy It's really told important himself, to
1: his ego that the idea... that marriage be about kids.
0: <laughs> Like he told everybody that the idea of a woman enjoying sex was like was actually it was a medical condition. That's a disease. According to his wife. That (laughs) that was a disease. That's amazing. So okay. Ben, just because just because your marriage looks like that doesn't mean everybody's marriage looks like that. Which might be the takeaway about
1: LGBTQ stuff all like in total. And I think it's the thing that people are like embracing is like not every relationship has to look the same and even if something's not what you're into other people can be into it and that's chill. Yeah. A couple a couple one thing a couple things I did want to take away here though were like one if we convince enough people in society that something is fine even elected republicans will go along with it. Like if you make something popular enough that it is a losing issue even just to get it off like out of the news they will like sometimes just pass it which was this case yeah but it's also true of democrats you can force democrats to do the right thing if you make an issue popular enough cuz yeah. like i i read a number of speeches from democrats about this bill and so many of them emphasized how much more popular same-sex marriage has gotten yeah. that was like a key point for all of them is like this is at a you know a level of historic popularity which is like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah. it, you know, like the enemy here is that the one, the thing we're fighting is a mismatch between what's right and what's in the political interest of politicians, because only by resolving that mismatch will you actually get politicians to do the right thing, regardless of policy, because they'll act in their first, their, their best interest first. So by driving good conversations, by like convincing people that things like gay marriage are things that we should all support, that's like the most surefire way to push the whole Overton window on these questions.
0: And the last thing that I wanted to read was Matt Walsh's response to this, who somehow managed to out-stupid Ben Shapiro. <laughs> well, he's he is stupider than Ben Shapiro. <laughs> he is stupider so. <laughs> than Ben Shapiro, true, true. Um, so right off the bat, he says, quote, Obviously, if you do this, it is, to begin with, it's not just this, but it's also, to begin with, a threat to and an attack on religious liberty. Like, I, I I, love it when they make that argument. Yeah. Because it is so self-evidently bullshit. Because, again, you know, look back at my argument earlier, you're saying that it's a threat to religious liberty to say that you... Don't have to do this if you don't want to, but people that, in which this is a part of their religion, they can do this, is just self-evidently bullshit. Mm. He continues. Um, that's ultimately where it leads to. Because if you're codifying a federal law that two men have the right to get married, that it's a human right, a civil right, then it would mean, by extension, you know, a church refuses to marry a gay couple, is depriving them of their basic human civil rights. They may not be putting that language in the bill exactly because they want it to pass, but that's what it means. And that's how it will be used no matter what the bill says. What? (laughs) What? The bill explicitly, like it's not even vague. The bill explicitly carves out the language saying that religious institutions will receive that exemption. It specifically carves that out. (laughs) So, a bill that carves that out, preserves religious liberty for people that are against gay marriage, That that is an imposition on religious liberty. But, laws that say that marriage equality, that, that, that gay marriage performed in a church where it, it is accepted, it is part of their religious practices, saying that they can't do that, that is not an assault on religious liberty? Christ, dude! I think... I think this
1: is actually the same argument as Democrats are just trying to make us the bad guys. I think it's just a little drawn out. He's saying if you cast it as a civil right, then you are forcing us to deny someone their civil rights, which we're allowed to do.
0: But then that means that we got to look bad. Because we got to deny people their civil rights. (laughs) Yeah. And he also also later expressed Ben Shapiro's same sentiment. He said, quote, any Republican who would sign on to that should be exiled from the party. Great. Again, 55% (laughs) of Republicans (laughs) agree with gay marriage. You're saying that a majority of Republicans should be exiled from the Republican Party. That's what you're saying. That is what you're saying. Is that really what you want to do? All right? Do you want to be a 30% party? Is that really what you want, buddy?
1: Sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) So now it's time for a more lighthearted segment, Tips for Good. So Nathan,
0: why do we do Tips for Good every week? Well, Michael, we do Tips for Good every week because, oh, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do! Look what you just made me oh! Look what you made me do! Oh God, I hate this. What <laughs> What is this? <laughs> it's Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> All right, so no wonder I hate it. <laughs> hey, hey, no, I like no. Taylor Swift. I don't have anything really against T Swift. I just don't listen to her music. Uh, uh, I did listen yeah. to some the of the fact songs that she's on making her new it, album, You respect that? And I wasn't I wasn't hugely into that. But <laughs> <laughs> I love Taylor Swift. Well, that's that's awesome. That's a, another aspect of the extreme diversity of opinion that we get on this show <laughs> yes yes
0: yeah michael and i we're like we're polar opposites oh my on, gosh on so much
1: yeah on t-swift yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so michael what is our tip for good this week our tip for good this week is to do everything you can to help
1: out on the the house race in colorado uh, where where Lauren Bobert is is facing off against Adam Frisch, and in the runoff in Georgia, so for two different reasons. Runoff in Georgia because it actually really fucking matters who yeah. is uh, who gets elected in Georgia, and Raphael Warnock, who like really freaking deserves it, not only because he's been a good senator so far, but also because Herschel Walker is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like. And and turnout's gonna be really big in Georgia, money's gonna be spent there, like it's gonna be a key thing is like mobilization there. So anything we can do to help Georgians mobilize would be helpful. Um, but the Lauren Boebert race, because it's it's kind of the Herschel Walker reason. It's because Lauren Boebert is a piece of shit. <laughs> and it's really close in Colorado. It's So yeah. th- currently, Boebert is ahead by just 551 votes, yeah. um, which means this is almost definitely going to a recount. And you might say, like, well, a recount, they just count the same votes, right? Well, one of the things that the candidates are pushing for, and if we can help Adam Frisch do this, we might be able to actually... Close this margin, or even take the seat, is curing votes. So votes that have gotten kicked out for various defects, like you know your signature doesn't quite match, or um, other technical issues like that, people have an opportunity to cure those votes, to re-sign, to to correct their signature, all that stuff. And so, if we get enough of those rejected votes to be cured, we can actually affect the outcome of a recount. Which is awesome because that means Lauren Bobert might get kicked out of her seat and onto her stupid fucking ass and out of the fucking house. That would be awesome. Hashtag Lauren Bobert so dumb. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, if you want to make a bit of actionable stuff to do after the midterms, you know, we did what we could. We went out there, we voted, we mobilized. If you want a little bit more that you can do to help affect these outcomes, uh, go support the runoff in Georgia and the recount in Colorado. And that's tips for good. So for our second segment, we are talking about the midterms. So I think we should just right up front. I should issue a correction Mm. for my previous coverage. (laughs) Um, just a few days ago, you know, I delivered my solo address, which is which becoming way, kind of I a really, weird tradition on the show. I, <laughs>
0: yeah, I just like to say I really I really did appreciate that. I was having a really rough week. Uh, so thank you so much for picking up the slack on that, bro. Totally dude. It was really
1: interesting to get to just delve into to all that data. One correction that I had to make is I got Nevada really fucking wrong. Twice, mm. twice. <laughs> not not just in that most recent prediction, but also my earlier prediction when I said Nevada was going to go, uh, was going to go to Republicans.
0: So. Yeah, and I just you know I I, I want to be a uh, a good sport yeah. about this. Sure, sure. Um, but I would just like to point out that mm-hmm. literally the moment that I that I heard that in the pod. Uh, like when I was when I was reviewing it before I posted it, I texted Michael and I said you're going to be wrong about Nevada, because so so here here's the thing, towards the end there was a very thin margin, and Michael did a really good job of breaking down the counties but the one thing that michael wasn't accounting for was the fact that most of the votes that were left to be counted were mail-in votes yeah and i wasn't
1: expecting it to be like 80 fucking percent democrat on mail-in votes that's (laughs) crazy that's like
0: that's crazy well but that (laughs) this this is twenty 2020 (laughs) well but but the thing is people still feel that way like people still are freaked out about mail-in voting because like republicans were specifically told you know, don't do mail-in voting, which was a really stupid strategy on the part of Republicans because mail-in voting, early voting, that's a great opportunity to get more voters. All right. Yeah. One of the reasons, probably one of the reasons in which Democrats did a lot better is because it was a lot easier to vote. Yeah. All right. It was a lot easier for people to vote. And when more people vote, Democrats win. All right. But- if you had tried to encourage Republicans to use, to utilize those same advantages, all right, utilize mail-in voting, utilize uh, early voting in person, you very well might not have faced the same problem. All right. You might've had significantly more Republicans show up because, hey, sometimes it's inconvenient to show up on election day. Sometimes it's difficult. Stuff gets in the way. Maybe you're, you're in a different state or something like it's, it's, it can be inconvenient, all right. So you kind of shot yourself in the foot. So yeah. I, anything I saw that makes that, it
1: harder to vote, yeah, makes means fewer people will vote. So when you have a whole party that's like, you know what, e- easy voting is bad. Vote hard. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. So so I saw that, and I was actually I I texted Michael, and I said, immediately, yeah, I I immediately, and I said, Michael, the 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 votes left to be counted are mail in votes. Nevada like I think Nevada's gonna go blue uh, and my response I was, was I hope you're right <laughs> yeah yeah, I, yeah it no, was a
1: very skeptical I hope you're right <laughs>
0: yeah no, no no it wasn't just a, I hope you're right it was a I hope I'm wrong oh yeah fair enough yeah but I do, uh, I but did. yeah um I
1: feel like there is yeah you you get a lump you lose a lot less credibility the longer it takes for you to be proved wrong.
0: When you get proved wrong within 24 hours, that's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> 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 to be fair though, to be fair to you, all right? In the early our early predictions, my first prediction had Ohio going blue. Like that's embarrassing. I uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean how would I you I changed it. I changed yeah. it. Yeah. But, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Like, the polling was looking a lot better in Ohio at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And it actually, looking at the the final results in Ohio, it was uh, uh, J.D. Vance won with uh, 53.3. Tim Ryan had 46.7. That pretty accurately reflects what the final polls were. Yeah. So if the polls were accurate, then it was very possible that if the election had been held back then, maybe Tim Ryan would have won.
1: Perhaps. Right? It's very
0: possible, um, but again, there's a good reason why I ended up changing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this means is that so far, we were right about all of the states except except Nevada. And yeah. and I guess we'll see if we're right about Georgia. Yeah. All right. Yep. I mean, I was right about every state. You were right about every state but Nevada. All right. <laughs> that means that we did a really good job. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I was wrong about two states in the Senate election in 2020. Mm. I think.
1: I think I was right
0: about Georgia in that election. I think I you were Georgia, right about Georgia, yeah, which you is did weird. Call Georgia. I,
1: yeah, that's weird. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you I did think call Georgia. Our predictions were pretty good. So next election, come back to Spectrum Prediction House, uh, and you can yeah. you can listen to us and
0: and yeah. know who's going to be in control of the government. Yeah, and I'd just like to point out, like I, if I if I predicted Georgia right, if we predicted Georgia right, mm-hmm. then that means. I was. I have a perfect score.
1: <laughs> that so is I pretty just, excellent.
0: I just. I just spent like the first five minutes of this second just, doing <laughs> just doing my bragging, own work. just being like, <laughs> "I win, you <laughs> lose." Yeah. So as a result
1: of me being wrong about Nevada, <laughs> Democrats <laughs> remain in control of the Senate, which is awesome news. They so far they've defended all of their seats except for Georgia. Georgia has gone to. A runoff election, which will happen yeah. at the beginning of December, um, and they flipped Pennsylvania, so we're now at sitting at um, fifty seats. Yeah, uh, and you know, if Georgia goes blue, we'll be at fifty-one. If yeah. not, we'll stick at fifty, and Kamala Harris will still be chained to her chair in yeah. uh, in the Congress.
0: Yeah, and I I I would like to point something out about Georgia because I was I was talking to my dad recently
1: hmm
0: and you know he was he was a little bit annoyed with the whole runoff system because the thing is if georgia didn't have a runoff system we're not in be. this election then warnock would just win flat out yeah but here's here's something that you should consider before you get upset about the runoff system um if georgia did not have a runoff system then it would be occupied by two republicans right now like <laughs> yeah because remember in 2020 <laughs> both of the Georgia seats because of like special elections were up for reelection. And in both cases, in the first, in in the initial round of ballots, the, I believe in, in both of them, the Republican was ahead. I think, I think think Loeffler was ahead. I know that, uh, uh, the other asshole, I, I don't remember his name, but I know that the other asshole was ahead of Ossoff. um, the reason why we were able to get both of those seats is because of the runoff. Yeah. All right. It, it was because of the runoff. Yeah. So before you get upset about the runoff, just recognize that like last time around it helped us. Yeah. So, you know, just, and they
1: should just move to rank choice voting anyway. And so yeah, then they we should would just, just know. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, they should. <laughs> um, that, that looks like, so that's going to be a runoff election. Mm-hmm. And, There's another aspect of it, which I think will be a good transition to another part of this analysis, which is the fact that I think that Raphael Warnock actually has a better chance in the runoff Mm. than he did even in the general election. Because Herschel Walker had the benefit of a popular Republican governor Mm -hmm. at the top of the ticket that probably got a lot of Republicans to show out. To, to, show up and just go ahead and vote for him. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, when you look at the governor's race now, uh, Brian Kemp, who, by the way, I know that, I know that a lot of people given him credit because he refused to steal the elect, try to steal yeah. the election for <laughs> Donald Trump. Because he
1: didn't treason. Yeah.
0: And that probably gave him more popularity in Georgia than he actually deserves because mm. like he is actually a terrible fucking human being. Yeah. Um, It is, I mean, honestly, there are some really sketchy things that he did as Secretary of State when he was overseeing his own election. Mm -hmm. Like purging voter rolls. Yeah. And like voter suppression. Could you imagine being fucking Stacey Abrams and like
1: this fucking asshole who fucking stole.
0: (laughs) Hey, Michael, Michael. literally as i was talking to you because i'm i'm looking i'm actually i I have the uh ap results up right now Mm -hmm. so and it's technically updating in real time as i was talking to you just now uh katie porter's race got called heck yeah katie porty's katie porter's still in in congress awesome that makes me so happy i fucking love katie porter yeah that's great fucking news awesome yeah that like that just happened as as we were as we were talking. You heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. Probably not
1: by the time <laughs> it comes that. out,
0: but still. Yeah. yeah. Still that makes me that makes me so happy. Yeah. Anyways, but what you was I know saying?
1: exactly when in the episode.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <sighs> uh anyways, um You're saying Brian Kemp is still a piece of shit. Yeah. Brian Kemp's still a piece of shit. That being said, he's a popular piece of shit. Yeah. Um sure. partially because he is not a Trump sycophant. Yeah. At least in with regard to election uh election stealing yeah all right so because Walker was able to kind of take a little take advantage of that I think there's a good chance that he actually does worse because there's going to be less Republican incentive to show up because yeah. he's just he's not a good candidate he's a yeah. very bad candidate yeah especially now that
1: Democrats have already taken the Senate there's going to be so much less emphasis on Georgia being the tiebreaker. So even people that are engaged, that would be engaged and turn out to vote for Walker if this were like the tiebreaking seat might be less engaged or less interested because it won't make as much of a difference to Republicans controlling the Senate as it will for Democrats controlling it.
0: Yeah. So all of that being said, I think that that's a good transition to another conversation, which is the fact that the Trump candidates on a statewide level... Did horribly. Yeah. All right. The non Trump Republicans, I guess, I guess I shouldn't call them necessarily anti Trump Republicans, mm-hmm. but like not as sycophantic Republicans. Yeah. In the more, com- you know, theoretically competitive races, did much better. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest, I mean, the biggest stark contrast is Brian Kemp versus Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yeah. But you also got to look at Ron DeSantis in Florida. Mm-hmm. Who won by like the margin was close to twenty percent. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's he he won handily. Looking at other gubernatorial races, uh Michigan, election denying Trump, Trump sycophant, yeah, lost
1: mm-hmm.
0: by almost 10 points. All right. Wisconsin, again, lost by almost four points, which I would also like to point out in the same state where in the senate race you had Ron Johnson the dumbest guy in the senate uh regain his seat mm-hmm. the dumbest guy in the senate did better now uh, to be clear Ron Johnson is definitely a Trump ally mm-hmm. but on a on, on a state on, on a state level the governor does have a little bit more power when it comes to election integrity yeah for sure absolutely so the people in wisconsin did not like that election denying shit yeah uh pennsylvania it wasn't even close like republicans thought they might have a shot in pennsylvania it hmm. wasn't even close yeah arizona arizona that was that was a thing that probably made me the happiest that carrie lake lost i know that was awesome um, <laughs> she is a lunatic. Mm-hmm. She is a complete and utter lunatic. It was close. Yeah. But the polls showed that you know, she she actually did have a little bit of advantage. This was a democratic overperformance and she did end up losing. Like I was really worried that that would end up going to going to her, but it did not. Mm-hmm. Now, she's already refusing to concede and saying she's gonna hire a team of lawyers yeah honestly I mean, that was
1: gonna be removed even if she won she'd be yeah. like shit i have all these lawyers on retainer
0: what the fuck is that about <laughs> yeah so like when it comes to that honestly the media should just ignore it yeah like it's just a bunch of, of course it's it, just a circus yeah it's just you can file anything you want in court <laughs> yeah just ignore it yeah just just ignore it and it'll go away <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I, th- I think that's like a big that's a
1: big lesson. I think I'm curious to see what you think is like the takeaway from that. Um, but like another piece of evidence is all of the split ticket voting. So like to your point, not just, you know, how state by like States relative to other States, how well Trump sycophants did relative to other similar representatives, but also just, you know, States where even if they like elected a Senator and a, a Republican Senator and a Republican house member, um, like, the non-Trump people tended to way overperform the, the like, MAGA, true believers, election-denying folks. So, like, yeah. really bad candidates that were these extreme candidates, even with a Trump endorsement, or perhaps because of a Trump endorsement, um, like, severely underperformed, like, you know, in Arizona, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. Um, yeah, and even when they sent, like, you know, multiple Republicans to Congress, like Ohio and New Hampshire... You know the incumbent Republican governors ran like twenty points ahead of the Republican state Senate candidates who were more extreme, and like traditional, more you know conventional candidates in like Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, and Ohio, like for governor, tended to run ahead of like more extreme Senate candidates. So I'd, I'd say that's like definitely a point in favor of the fact that like maybe election denying shit works for the base but the base is going to turn out. That's not who you're you're going towards. And like like independents and and more traditional republicans are fucking tired of Trumpism craziness. Yeah. At least yeah. that's my hypothesis.
0: Yeah. No, I I would say that the big takeaway from this, and here's the thing, I leading up to the election, and I was actually I was telling Michael this, I was actually feeling so like pessimistic mm-hmm. that I didn't even really pay attention to the results the night of the election, mm-hmm. because I I was honestly, I was feeling, I had made my predictions, but I was feeling so pessimistic, specifically about state level races, mm-hmm. because of all of these crazy Republican candidates for governor and and secretaries of state yeah uh, that were just election deniers. Yeah. And I was sitting here thinking, God if these if these people make it in to statewide office in these swing states it's the end of democracy yeah totally It is it is going to be the end of democracy yeah, and the guy who was running for
1: in positions where they could deny elections
0: <laughs> like yeah the guy that was running in wisconsin straight up said if i win as a governor like the democrats are never going to win in wisconsin again oh jesus fucking like jesus. he straight up said yeah, that he wow. straight up said he was going to steal the election oh my god all right that's crazy um so i was feeling extremely pessimistic yeah but It looks like, in some ways, the Republicans were punished for that shit. Now, I think that a lot of... I think there are a lot of factors, right? I think they were punished for Trumpism. I think that that's that's fair to say. But I don't think that's the only thing. I think Mm -hmm. that if if you bog it down to just Trumpism, I think that that's... No, I agree. I think that that's overlooking a lot of other important factors. A huge thing is the young vote, Mm -hmm. all right? There is a huge turnout in comparison to other years of young people. All right, there was a huge turnout. And the reason for that is the exact thing that I said was going to happen. Again, going to toot my own horn, <laughs> which is student loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. All right? We saw the polling data saying that young people would be more likely to show up if there was if there was student loan forgiveness. Yeah. And the fact that Joe Biden had ordered that, the fact that he had passed that executive order, that probably that probably was a huge factor in this in in in, mm-hmm. in the in the youth turnout yeah which in turn was a huge factor in Democrats overperforming what they were expected to do yeah. um of course you can't you, you you can't not talk about Roe versus Wade all right of that's course. that's a huge part of this Roe like preserving Roe versus Wade is an overwhelmingly popular issue yeah and for once. Abortion was an issue that energized Democrats more than Republicans, which has never happened before. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a um, point that I made
1: early on, pretty much right after Dobbs, uh, when we first started talking about the influence that it might have on the midterms. I I think that Dobbs, uh, combined with the fact that Trump is still so front and center, combined to really upset the history of a midterm election where the pub there, the president is unpopular because it's very, it's, it's like pretty much unheard of to have a midterm election, right. Where the current president is unpopular, but the election is still significantly about the previous president. Yeah. Right. Trump was still on the ballot in a lot of ways, even though like Biden is the president of the United States. And so as a result, like, it's almost as if their unpopularity is like balancing out in kind of the same way that it did in the 2020 election. And at the same time, Democrats delivered a bunch of priorities over the summer, right? Student loan forgiveness, the PACT Act, the CHIPS Act, um, you know, delivering the Respect for Marriage Act in, in the House. And like, and even though they're not as popular with uh, on key issues like the economy and like crime, and the border and stuff like that. I don't. I think they had less of a retribution for being the party in power in in control of Congress, specifically because of things like Dobbs, where Republicans, despite being out of power, were still a party, like basically legislating. So you had this interesting situation where, because even while the Republicans are out of power in across all branches of uh, like out of Congress and out of um, the presidency, they're still legislating and they're still front and center on the presidency. So you're still really like balancing between the two. And I think that really worked in favor of kind of bucking the trend that you would expect from a midterm election like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. Looking at polling data, and looking at how much Democrats overperformed what they were originally going to to be at, I would say I don't think it's unreasonable to say that if the election were held like a few months ago mm-hmm. that the Democrats would have won. yeah, and the thing is the Democrats were doing the best when they were passing things. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that the thing that Democrats take away from this is the thing that I have said a hundred times makey people life better makey <laughs> people want votey for you yeah
1: and i i hope that what the republicans take away from this is that undermining our institutions and elections is largely not popular at least not popular with the segment of people that will get you elected yeah and i and you know we can talk a little bit about trump's like announcement um but you know it'll be interesting to see if they're able to take away lessons that help with the strategy. Now, what I mentioned on the episode we put out last week was that even if Republicans move towards more traditional conservatism and away from some of the election denying very Trumpy stuff, they still end up in a place closer to like um, Ron DeSantis. And like, you know, one, one piece of feedback I got was like, Hey, like is Ron DeSantis really as bad or worse than Trump or are people similar to Ron Desantis as bad or worse than Trump? And my point on that which and, and I made that like a claim pretty similar to that on the episode last week, my point on that is not that you know not that uh, they're worse like human beings because that's that would be really a stretch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that if you have like which which is worse Nathan, um, a really evil guy or an evil mastermind. <laughs> probably an evil mastermind exactly exactly yeah. one is going like like yeah which is worse bane or the joker like fucking the yeah. joker because he's yeah. very intelligent and like yeah. trump is an ape in the office like <laughs> who, who lives to s- shove bananas into his ego and like but that's not what Ron DeSantis would be, and that's not what a lot of other Republicans would be. They would be very effective. And the more effective they are, like tr- Trump was able to do an incredible amount of damage, not just to the institutions, but like to everyone, even even though all of the policies of his cabinet were being filtered through a buffoon. Now, mm. imagine if his cabinet's policies were being filtered through someone that could make them even more effective and even worse and put together a cabinet of really intelligent people instead of people like Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon like this would be much worse it may like it may not be worse for our institutions like it may be, make it less likely that we have people that literally try to you know do treason but that i think it would probably be worse for the policy outcomes And now it's time for a more recent innovation, a miscellaneous what the fuck. So Nathan, what
0: the fuck is a miscellaneous what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Michael, uh, the miscellaneous what the fuck is something that we created when we kept finding stories that were... Not quite about someone being a heinous asshat, mm-hmm. but not quite about someone making a self-defeating argument, mm-hmm. but still so hilariously ridiculous that we just had to talk about it. Hmm. So, hence the name, Miscellaneous What the Fuck.
1: Okay, so what could possibly fall into that incredibly narrow and niche category of being that crazy and silly and hilarious that we just have to talk about it?
0: Cats. Cats. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck,
1: cats, man! Seriously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, I know that we're a little bit late to this. Like, this was a story from early November, and it's it's mid-November at this point. Uh, we were going to talk about it last week, but like, you know, I wasn't here, so we're gonna go ahead and talk about it this week because this is just too hilarious not to to talk about. A study came out recently that found that students benefited significantly on an emotional level from having access to cats on campus. Now there had been, there have been studies about dogs and they've used therapy dogs, but they found similar results for cats. Now I, I hear that. And I think that is a really cute story, you know, (laughs) like, and, and, and I, I love cats. I'm on a college campus. I love the idea of having some more cats on campus. Yeah. That sounds
1: great. They're adorable. Also, it seems like obviously true. Like, I loved yeah. when I would be studying for finals and like they would come in with the therapy dogs and like all of a sudden the whole place would get nicer. Like this seems so clearly a good thing. How yeah. how are they gonna ruin it, Nathan? How are they yeah. gonna
0: do it? <laughs> well, little did I know that to even entertain the idea of this study is liberal indoctrination. <laughs> That's true because liberals are cat people. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Apparently. So so there was this conversation about this on this this Fox News program called Outnumbered, which, God, what a pretentious oh, ass name. What a name. What a pretentious name. I'm yeah, wow. So so one of the hosts, I'm not even gonna read their names because I don't even like most of these people, I don't know who they are. Like Kaylee McEnany is mm. on here. That's the only name that I recognize. Sure. Um, who like used to be in the Trump administration and now it's just a fox news host that spouts bullshit all the time um, which to be fair is basically what she was in the trump organization yeah. as well but you know <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much um so first person says quote from climate anxiety to just the idea of conservative speaker of a conservative speaker on campus it is all so stressful well now a new study found that interventions are with cats on campuses may help stressed out students. I guess the taxpayers picking up their student loan tab wasn't enough. Fuck all the way off. Oh, my God. (laughs) Why? Another one said, Just another example of how we are raising snowflakes. Oh, my God. Another point, one of them said, I don't think these kids need cats. I think they need discipline. I think they need a slap in the face. What the? (laughs) Oh Response to cats. Hold, now, on. The, Hold on, where's
1: that study? Where's like that, recent they, they study finds? In the face. Recent study finds that <laughs> students on college
0: campuses benefit from being slapped in the face. Yeah. <laughs> oh my so god. So I, I, and then uh, another another one goes on. Quote. These are the same kids that get a professor fired for being too hard on their way to medical school. These are kids that can't even listen to cons- to a conservative viewpoint. They shout out speakers. They chase them off campuses, but a cat will make everything better. That doesn't work in the real world. Okay. I will I will say like in the past I have expressed I have expressed the fact that I don't think that we should be limiting who speaks on college campuses like unless we're, you know, Unless they're like straight up advocating for ethnic gen- genocide and like cleansing, um, I, I I have said that I have made that argument in the past, but I haven't really heard a lot of stories of kids trying to get professors fired b- b- for being too hard on them. No. My students hate my attendance policy, <laughs> like they hate my attendance policy. But they've, Cause they because they have they've attend? said it's it's too strict. Mm. Well, I make them write essays if they miss class. How long? And they and they uh, two pages. That's not oh. an essay. That's like. Two, two wait, pages, double spaced. to single spaced. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's like yeah. 1,800 words. So it's not yeah. Bad. Well, it's like it's a disincentive, but it's not like sure. You know, I, it's yeah. And my students. I write. It. I write six pages of notes every episode <laughs> for this show at least. <laughs> so kids get it together. <laughs> yeah. So like. So like. Uh, but the thing is, they might hate that. They've never tried to get me fired because of it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so. So I don't know what the hell. I don't know uh, why. And then
1: like Republicans commentators constantly like try to talk about like how weak college students are i don't get it like why why are these
0: college students such a target they're just trying to get jobs (laughs) i feel like you've never these these uh these people have never read a uh a end of the semester evaluation report College students can be vicious. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> they can be. They can be vicious. Uh, McEnany comes in and says, "It's a it's a distraction for kids who don't want to study," which is literally you know what the else is a distraction. Shows
1: you know what else it is a distraction. Then
0: eating, sleeping, yeah. and yeah. not getting slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> then another one says, "I don't need to be coddling a puppy. I need." My organic chemistry book. This is insanity. Give me a cup of coffee, a cookie, a stack of books, and I'm set. I don't need a puppy in my lap for the exams. And, so, and right after that, another person claimed it was part of the indoctrination. Cats oh. are part of the indoctrination. You know why, Nathan? Pussycats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, this is just fucking bonkers. Like, what? <laughs> why? What is the why? downside? Yeah. Like what they the, it's, it's so funny. They keep switching what the downside might be because they are so sure that none of them are sticking. They're like, well, taxpayers. No, oh, that's that's not it. Uh, the kids are weak. No, oh, that's not it. It. They're not.
0: The cats aren't Republican enough. Uh, that, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's distracting. them from studying. No, I don't look, think I've ever met a cat that I looked at that I met and thought, you know what? You'd probably be a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely not. They're a little violent. Cats are very much a fuck you. I've got mine type of type of animal. Absolutely. absolutely. that seems like the perfect type of Republic, like Republican animal. Like if anything, the fact that they're, they're even considering doing more cats than dogs. I think that, I think that that right there is right wing indoctrination.
1: (laughs) You know what they need to do, Nathan? They need to get, emotional support elephants out there <laughs> to push the, le- the right wing agenda. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good idea. That's it. And I just, I just want to point something out. I have a service dog. All right. I have a service dog. I have a dog that I took with me to like, I didn't just have with me in my dorm room. I took my service dog with me to every single class. All right. I took my service dog with me everywhere. All right, I still take my service dog with me everywhere. All right, my my dog cuddled on my lap as they said while I studied, and you know what? I went to graduate school and got straight A's. Mm-hmm. All right, it wasn't a distraction; it actually very much helped. But imagine like to... how
1: good your grades have
0: been if if Blake would have slapped you in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. But like, and and I again, I know that this is a ridiculous story, but I just want to point out. You know, on a, on a little bit more of a serious note, I have had students that have carried out suicide attempts while they were students in my class. Like, obviously not in my class, but like while they were students in my class. I have had students do that because the stress of, of college was too much for them. And stuff like this, just dismissing the the real mental health toll... That this takes, like, you might have been able to get through college without, you know, without animals, and fine, that's great. You might have been emotionally well-adjusted in college, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it is a tough time for students, especially newer college students, because this is the first time that they're off on their own, all right? And the thing is, therapy animals... Do a similar thing that my service dog does for me, which is actually, which is that it actually allows for better independence. Mm-hmm. It's a way that students can accommodate themselves. Yeah. All right. They can find ways of accommodating themselves. They don't need to worry. They They don't need to, you know, rely on their parents. They can just have a pet that helps them to self-soothe. It makes them more independent. All yeah. right. It makes and them like
1: stronger, I, not weaker. You assholes.
0: Yeah. yeah. They're... And again, I, I've had too many, I've had too many students that have had mental health crises in college that if, if, if my attitude towards that was to just slap them in the face, some of them might not be alive anymore. Yeah. So, and you certainly all wouldn't have off. a job and I certainly wouldn't have a job. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't have a job. Yeah. I definitely shouldn't have a job. Yeah. Uh, if, if, if I were to do something like that,
1: boy, um, that was really miscellaneous and really what the fuck. Yes, it was. <laughs> so, for our third segment, we are talking about the future of the government, specifically talking about good old T Dog,
0: Donald, Donald Dog Trump. <laughs> Uh, so oh, last maybe, week maybe you should call him donald dog trump because then then the right wing will turn away from him because, oh exactly you know, they like, hate oh, dogs so weak <laughs> so weak so last or week you need, you need an emotional support trump it's trump
1: finally came out and announced his candidacy for president and i think
0: finally is the wrong word Michael, you're right it is very very early (laughs) this is the earliest i've ever seen anybody announce a run for president it is
1: it is and we can talk about why we think that might be the case but it seems like it's been coming since december 2020 yeah because it's been so clear that the moment he lost he was going to try to reclaim it and yeah and So now it's almost like, it seems like almost like a foregone conclusion that he'll be running in 2024
0: and, and he, with announcing his candidacy, that's the case. Yeah. Which I just, I just got to say, I know that for him, it's an ego boost, but I just, on a logical level, why? I mean, all you did was complain about how mean people were to you when you were president. All right. And, and all you do is complain about how that put you in the public eye to the point where people started scrutinizing your businesses, which mm-hmm. never would have happened if you hadn't put yourself in the public eye, Yeah, which is absolutely true. Like, why do you want to put yourself back into the public eye? Oh, yeah. Like, why? And also, you didn't really do that much, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing, because the things you wanted to do were stupid, but sure. like... What did, yeah, what did you're not trying to do, be in right? office
1: because you really care. <laughs> he
0: he failed. He failed to repeal the Affordable Care Act, which good, but like that was one of the big things that Republicans had been trying to run on yeah. since the Affordable Care Act was passed. All right, and you had you had a majority in the House and the Senate, and you couldn't get that done. Mm-hmm. You passed a tax bill. That was probably your biggest accomplishment. A tax bill that was colossally unpopular, where Mm -hmm. eighty percent of all benefits after ten years will have gone to the top one percent. Now, for you that's an accomplishment because you're part of the top one percent. But like other than that, what did you actually do? What did you actually accomplish? All right. What do you want to accomplish at this point? Power, man. He's he's one of
1: like the he's one of like the most clear cases in, in my head of like someone that just like can't not be like have power and i think it's but, because he needs the ego boost because his he's clearly like like really got terrible self-esteem he requires input all the time from other people to like
0: help him feel big and i, I think he that, just wants like, to feel big again but like what's what good is power if you're not gonna do anything with it oh
1: dude yeah i mean that's such a functional attitude you're like a real whole <laughs> human being and donald <laughs> trump isn't <laughs> he's up he's he's a yeah he's like a power vacuum yeah yeah but yeah it's true like you just got you're just about to get twitter back dude like you're gonna have everything you really wanted already yeah. so i think i think there's like a couple of reasons so so not only i think it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he was gonna run again for 2024 i think like trump has failed so many times throughout his life and always pretended that it was a victory and went on to try to fail at something else. Yeah. He just, that's just his MO
0: before the midterms. And God, if anybody that I supported ever said something like this, I would immediately hate them. Like, I don't care if, if Bernie Sanders ever said something like this, I would immediately start hating him. All right. He, he actually said like he was, he was asked about the results of, you know, what it will be like, at the, at the midterms, he was like, well, so if we win, I should get all the credit. And if we lose, I should get none of the blame. He literally <laughs> said that he literally said that, that is the most intellectually dishonest. I mean, not the most intellectually dishonest thing he's ever said. He's like, that's, that's, that's a pretty high bar, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's so intellectually dishonest. Yeah. All right. That's such a, like, <laughs> yeah, I, that, god god but i think i think that's like how can you hear that and support that man how how how? yeah i think that's
1: like but but as we've talked about trump and his mo and his whole campaign strategy that's very much his kind of thing it's like failure is not a loss i'm just i'm just the smartest guy in the room and failure to me is just you know it's not really failure like yeah i mean like he so so i back in the uh 20s 2016 run clinton Said, like, you've taken businesses to bankruptcy six times, which is true. Six times his businesses have declared bankruptcy. And he his response was on occasion, four times, we used certain laws that are there, which is basically saying, you know, yeah, we took our businesses to bankruptcy, but we got out and made more money out as a result of it. Like it's it's his whole thing is I don't have to accept failure if I just pretend it's not failure. Yeah. I mean, he he kept talking about how he won the popular vote <laughs> in yeah. twenty sixteen. I,
0: mean, I mean, that's that's how he that's how he treats Eric.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and what's interesting is like that's how he's treating the midterms. But what's interesting, he's he's using a similar tactic, uh, f- like trying to to like overshadow other potential candidates for the presidency by basically going like, well, I don't fail. Like I haven't failed at any point. Like it was the system that, that messed me up or whatever. It's not my fault. And so I'm just, I'm going to be the president in 2024, which is one of the reasons why he might be like, like might have declared so early is to basically take up all the oxygen in the room so that no one else thinks they have a chance and they're not going to try to challenge him.
0: Yeah. And he's already starting to shit on Ron DeSantis. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he knows. Well, only, like, Ron DeSantis, all he said was he wasn't ruling anything out. Yeah. All right? And Trump took that as he's being disloyal. <laughs> Imagine that shit. Imagine yeah. that shit. Now, I mean, to be realistic, Ron DeSantis is going to run. Sure. Probably. I mean, he is going to run. He'd have to be an idiot not to run. As, as, as terrible as he is, he is very popular in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And some some polls are even st- are showing him creeping up on Trump. Yeah. Um, like you'd have to be an idiot not to take advantage of that. hmm And yeah. Ron DeSantis is not an idiot,
1: mm-hmm. which yeah. is
0: actually what makes him so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that we should spend some time talking about Ron DeSantis. Sure. Because odds are the Republican primary is going to be mainly just Trump and DeSantis. Mm-hmm. I don't see a lot of other Republicans running because most Republicans are terrified of Trump. Yeah. And DeSantis is, he's walked a fine line mm-hmm. of like not sucking up to Trump, but also basically being Trump. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: Ron DeSantis is more dangerous than Donald Trump. I feel confident to say that. Ron DeSantis is more dangerous than Donald Trump because Ron DeSantis actually knows how to get stuff done mm-hmm. and he has gotten things done in florida yeah all right the don't say gay bill all right the um the prevention of felons from voting all right the the passage of anti-protest laws which by the way fascist mm-hmm. deregulation and, yeah. and and and
1: As retribution against disney not to say that's retrib- necessarily that bad, but well, like well, but, using a lot of different
0: levers in in his control. But what's interesting is that that was all bullshit. Yeah. All right. Because what ended up happening, like the so-called retribution against Disney, actually ended up making it so that Disney was paying less in taxes, and the people that lived in the area that were not Disney were paying more in taxes. So it ended up actually benefiting Disney, benefiting Disney, while he could simultaneously pretend that he was attacking Disney. So it was it was like he was posturing as this populist candidate who was standing up to the woke corporation while simultaneously helping the corporation. Yeah.
1: That's right? the perfect Which, Republican nightmare. It's a perfect <laughs> Republican
0: nightmare. Like that's the that's oh, the thing. Man. Pulling a move like that is brilliant. Yeah. Is brilliant. All right? He is not a stupid guy. He is not. But he is fucking evil. Yeah. All right? He I don't know, I don't necessarily know if he's as evil as Trump, but he has much more of a chance of actually getting stuff passed than Trump.
1: Yeah, totally. And
0: the thing is, there were some issues that Trump was actually a little bit better than a lot of Republicans on. Mm -hmm. Like, in terms of LGBT rights, again, this is grading on a bar in comparison to other Republicans, all right? In terms of Republican presidents, he was the most pro-LGBT Republican president
1: mm-hmm. ever, yeah.
0: And in fact, you could make an argument that he was he was probably the second most pro LGBT president ever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because I mean, I mean, maybe you could make an argument for Bill Clinton outstripping him, but Bill Clinton did pass the Defense of Marriage Act. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, and you can you can argue that the Defense of Marriage Act was a long term strategy, but but Donald Trump did not really make any attempts to try to overturn marriage equality and he was the first republican candidate ever to talk about the lgbtq community in his in his in his speech at the republican national convention mm-hmm. all right the first republican nominee to ever do that and to talk about it uh, uh, to talk about them as a good thing like he in rhetoric he has specifically said that he Wants to protect the LGBT community. Now, to be clear, he did plenty of things that were bad for the LGBT community. All right. The the trans military ban was horrible. I'm not saying that he's good on these issues. I'm saying that he's better than Ron DeSantis Mm -hmm. on these issues. For sure. All right. And on the other issues. All right. On economic uh, on economic elitism. Posturing is economic populism, but it's economic elitism. You have a much higher likelihood of being able to get stronger deregulation done by Ron DeSantis, more extensive tax cuts for the rich from Ron DeSantis, um, a reduction, uh, like, uh, rollbacks in healthcare from Ron DeSantis. I mean, I would assume that you're probably more likely to get worse outcomes in terms of uh, international politics. Now, He'll probably be more respected on an international level than Trump was. But, you know, he, Trump would often would often do erratic things, but he at least postured as being anti-war. Mm-hmm. All right. And in some ways he did attempts to be. Ron DeSantis, I don't know. Is he going to be a war hawk? I haven't really heard much of what he has to say. Yeah. If he's more of a war hawk, he's probably going to do a lot more in terms of uh, in terms of bloating our military budget. Yeah. You know, so if he if he does take that route, he's gonna be a lot more effective. Yeah. The thing is, he is going to be more effective than Trump. Mm-hmm. He has already been more effective than Trump in Florida at doing terrible things. Yeah. And once once also we get
1: past the Republican primary, he's probably more electable than Trump. Yeah. If the midterms were any indication where extremist electioning super maga Trump candidates lost, largely because people turned that were okay with more um You know, conventional Republicans turned away from the more extreme Republicans. That's a pretty good indication that Trump might not be electable again in 2024, or at least not nearly as electable as, as like a more traditional candidate. Which means that in some ways, it might be the, the Democratic strategy of supporting the worst candidate on the other side, you know, paying off. Like he might be. A, uh, a gift to de- Democrats, obviously, if he loses, only if he yeah. loses. But so, Ron DeSantis on the other side, if he's able to get past the Republican primary, which is a big question because Trump still has a large part of the Republican base. But if if he's able to get past the primary, he might be able to be palatable enough to some of those like more center voters. And certainly pe- fewer people will probably reject him because of the kinds of crazy erratic treasonous stuff that trump has done
0: yeah now there is one other factor that i think i that i think i want to bring up because i think that there's a good chance that if Ron DeSantis wins the primary that trump runs third party (laughs) i think he is that oh man that would be crazy holy shit i didn't even think about that like oh man i think i think that happens i think there's a good chance that happens all right um, so I, I look, I think the ideal scenario here, cause like I want Trump to not have the Republican nomination. I don't, I don't want him to have the, I agree. I do it's think worse, that Ron DeSantis yeah. is more dangerous, Yeah. but I don't want him to have the Republican nomination. Yeah. But I think someone that the that ideal
1: like, scenario actively pushed for the destruction and of yeah. our government getting yeah, nominated again one as one area, of the two major parties, like.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is one area in which Ron DeSantis isn't as bad. Yes, yeah,
1: he hasn't yet tried to commit treason.
0: <laughs> yeah, now he has. Like he has, he has not been a friend to. Uh, he, he has committed voter disenfranchisement. Sure, he has done that, um, but he's never straight up tried to steal an election. Uh, at least in the same way that Trump did. Um, you know, he did it in his own ways. But I think the ideal scenario here is Ron DeSantis gets the nomination trump runs third party democrats have a fucking landslide (laughs) because that's what's going to happen
1: yeah it would be a landslide in for the presidency but probably a lot of split ticket that would lead to we still looking at a pretty tough race for senate but
0: yeah oh that that is another thing um (laughs) i'm not gonna lie to you all the 2024 senate looks bad like the, yeah. the race in the Senate looks bad. Like the last thing I want to leave you yeah. with is um, I think there's a good chance that we, if either we have a better candidate or if Biden is able to get his numbers up uh, and be a decent top of the ticket candidate, um, that we could have a chance of retaking the House. But the Senate has some vulnerable fucking races. Mm-hmm. All right. In the Senate in 2024, West Virginia. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Montana, uh, Nevada, no. <laughs> Arizona. All yeah. of those seats are probably are, are probably potential pickups for Republicans. All of those seats. Fuck. So our 2024 race does not look good right now. Oh my god. They might be able to just pass legislation.
1: That would be (laughs) stunning. Yeah. Another reason why just looking at the calendar would have meant that we would have done away with the filibuster. Because it was like they're already gonna get 60 votes, it's fine. We can just get rid of the filibuster, it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) So on that note, there's a little bit of doom and gloom in the future. I think in whatever case, like the best case scenario is that we have two really terrible candidates on the Republican side that somehow try to cancel each other out. Yeah, But even that might be pretty far-fetched. Um, and we might be looking at another, you know, Democrat versus Trump. election. <laughs> so tonight... Uh, we would usually end the show by thanking all the amazing people that make the show possible. Um, but but uh, just a few days ago in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, there was a shooting um, at my alma mater, the University of Virginia, that killed uh, three people and injured two others um, in yet a, another kind of tragedy to befall the UVA community. Um, and... In honor of the, the three people that passed away and the two that are recovering, we just wanted to take a moment of silence. Man, it's kind of crazy being a podcast that has to regularly leave in large chunks of silence. Yeah. Because of how often people are killed in shootings. Yeah. And with that, thank you so much for listening to the Perspectrum, and you'll hear from us again. Not next week because it's Thanksgiving, but the week after.